From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. As the next federal election approaches, the question of whether the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, can pull off another miracle win looms large. But how much do we really know about the man who's been in charge through a pandemic, a sexual assault reckoning and a crystallising climate crisis? Today, journalist and author Sean Kelly on what's underneath the persona that Scott Morrison presents publicly and what his prime ministership tells us about our national identity. It's Monday, November 15. Sean, could you start by telling me why you decided to write about Scott Morrison? Well, I mean, the answer on some level is I I didn't. At first I said no. Uh, I was approached by a publisher. I said, uh, I don't think there is enough in this man to interest me or to interest readers. Uh, I can't see how I can get a book out of this. And then I, I thought a bit more and I thought, this is odd, this this boringness. And then I realised that the, the boringness was, in a sense, the key to why he was interesting, because it, it's strange. There was this man who became Prime Minister in, in strange circumstances. He then wins an election against everybody's expectations, and yet people know so little about him. And what's more, nobody seemed to want to know anything more. So I began to become interested in the question of how he pulled off this trick. And that's a, a very large part of what the book is trying to answer. Mm. There does seem to be a sense of futility to that task. Why bother (laughs) trying to get to know Scott Morrison? And I wonder where you think that comes from, your own initial lack of curiosity, but also, as you say, you're tapping into something bigger here, I think, which is why aren't we more invested in understanding the Prime Minister and his motivations when the things that he does has such a, a large bearing on our lives? Yeah, I mean, I think half of this is absolutely Scott Morrison, as you say, and half of it is us. And the half that is Scott Morrison, we need to have a look at the two halves of his career. There's the half up to 2015 when he essentially keeps himself as a an outline without anything filled in, a blank slate, if you like. But you're not addressing what, what I'm asking is, about the change in Well, you're asking me about politics, Lee. You're asking me about politics. What I'm talking about is what is actually happening with the budget. And he, he doesn't answer questions. He doesn't like talking about himself. He doesn't stick firmly to any clear belief, certainly nothing that would attract attention. Politics frames everything. It, well, it may frame things for, for journalists. What it doesn't frame for me is how we go about... Uh, the only thing he does in this time is the immigration minister. And that begins to fill in the outline with uh, the image of this man who many people detest, this hardline immigration minister. If you have a valid claim, you will not be resettled in Australia. You will never live in Australia. And when he exits that portfolio around 2015, he also has the first glimmer of a sense that he might become prime minister. And he suddenly obviously realises that he needs to provide an alternative to this picture of the hardline immigration minister. Is your personal samosa scomosa recipe? That's what my staff have called them, yeah, Yeah, the scomosas. Everyone's getting used to this new nickname. Then we get this very simplistic scomo character, uh, a guy who cooks curries. So uh, he's modern, but he only cooks them once a week, so he's not too modern. He really likes rugby league. I can say this year, I'm very confident about how the Cronulla Sutherland Sharks are going to go in in this year's Premiership. 
He goes back to tweeting uh, quite regularly about his team after an absence from social media of 18 months. Uh, and I think together those two elements, the refusal to tell us anything about himself and then the eagerness to tell us a few very simple, carefully chosen facts really repel the tension. You know, Jenny and I will have a, you know, a, a sip of wine or something, I'll have a beer and, and um, watch a movie and I'll kick the curry and then they'll all laugh at me and then we'll all go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds adorable. It is, anyway... And this character that you're describing, this two-dimensional kind of character, the daggy dad who cooks curry once a week, supports the sharks, why do you think that this is the character that Scott Morrison has chosen? What do you think that it, it helps him achieve to have us see him that way? Well, the, the first thing is that it made him seem representative of the group that he said he was talking to. You know, some prime ministers like to say they talk for all Australians, that uh, that they are there to serve all Australians. And Scott Morrison does use that rhetoric sometimes, but he also uses this rhetoric of governing for the quiet Australians. These are the quiet Australians who have won a great victory tonight. And then tied to that, there is, an, uh, there is a message uh, of pride. It's a message of pride in Australia. How good is Australia? And how good are Australians? And the, the political message hiding behind that is Australia is perfect as it is. There is no need to change. There is no need to change anything. We can all be proud of exactly what Australia is and everything Australia has achieved. Uh, and he, in taking on the characteristics, is essentially embodying that message. He is the essence of a proud Australian, somebody who w will refuse to be shamed for his uh, defiantly suburban identity. This is the best country in the world in which to live. And to what extent do you think this character, this representative, is the real Scott Morrison? Because this is obviously a deliberately constructed character, but what is underneath it? Look, it's... It's a really difficult question to answer. Uh, one of the things I noticed when I was looking at everything Scott Morrison had said over his career was how often at key moments he returns to theatrical metaphors, uh, playing a role, uh, staging things, uh, bringing the curtains down on this show and bringing the curtains up on another show. This is cold. Don't be afraid. The Don't be scared. Won't the treasurer you. knows the rule on props. It's cold. So there is a performance there, but... I do think on some level he's performing something real. So he might not always have been the rugby league fanatic that he now claims to be. But uh, I think his sensibilities are fundamentally suburban. I, I think he is performing and exaggerating, but I think he's performing and exaggerating a version of himself. But I, I think an interesting thing has happened recently, which is that uh, the thin character, the flat character he created in the lead-up to the 2019 election that served him very, very well in that short period of time has begun to wear a little thin. 
a former colleague said to me this week, you know, the prime ministership finds out every prime minister. It just it places a, a spotlight on every prime minister and eventually the real person starts to emerge in, in some respects. You know, this, this is dangerous for Scott Morrison. It's dangerous uh, because it draws into question that flat character. And in doing so, it draws into question some uh, element of the authenticity that he has placed so much stake in as Prime Minister. Very early on in his Prime Ministership, he talked about authenticity. Uh, some of his supporters, especially in the media, talked about his authenticity. And so that's a, an important part of what he thinks his political appeal is. So if that starts to fade a little, and I, and I think that has been a trouble for him in recent weeks, then, then that is a political danger. We'll be back in a moment. The City of London in Andrew O'Hagan's latest novel is crumbling. But don't mistake this for pessimism. Instead, the author insists it's a necessary process for a better future. Change doesn't just happen because it's time for a change. Change has to be forced. We live in the end not in countries that are settled places. They're just imagined communities. I'm Michael Williams, and on this week's Read This, I sit down with Andrew O'Hagan to discuss his latest, Caledonian Road. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. With award-winning news coverage and reviews, the Saturday paper is essential reading for everybody. For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism, and you'll receive the Saturday paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. The Saturday Paper. No hot takes. Sean, we're talking about Scott Morrison, the version of himself that he presents to the public. To what extent is what you're describing specific to Scott Morrison or even to politicians in general? Because doesn't every politician need to craft an image in this way? Absolutely. Look, as soon as TV started to take over politics in the, in the late 60s, this problem began to grow worse. And now it's my pleasure to introduce a man that I have known, respected, and admired for many years, Richard Nixon. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, you have Roger Ailes helping on, on Richard Nixon's television advertising in the 1968 campaign saying, this is what politicians will be forever after. They will be performers. Together we can hardly fail. For there is no force on earth to match the will and spirit of the people of America. And as politicians have become better and better at performing, we have become more and more accepting of the idea that politics is all performance. And the combined effect of this is that politics has become more and more distanced from reality. That is some group of people, thousands. And politicians have become more and more focused on image. Bigger and better and stronger than ever before, and we will make America great again. Thank you. Thank you very much. You know, Donald Trump is the American that everybody else imagines Americans to be. You know, Boris Johnson is the, is the Englishman that everybody imagines Englishmen to be. Will you 
apologize for your comment. Do you like a cup of tea? Yeah, sure. Go on, have a cup of tea. Thank you, thank you. Do you do you regret? Do you like a cup of tea? Do you regret your comments? Do you regret your comments? Don't forget to go and have a cup of tea. Thank you very much. And I think Scott Morrison, in a certain sense, is is this perfect representation of a, a certain stereotypical Australia. You know, Donald Trump was a, a former reality star and Boris Johnson is a former journalist and Scott Morrison is a former marketing man. And it's not a coincidence that these three men who have spent their lives crafting narratives concerned with image have ended up at the tops of their professions uh, in the Anglosphere at a certain point in time. I, I think that does say something very particular about where we're at in terms of a shallowness in politics. And I think this is a terrible development. And you are absolutely right, Ruby. It is true of all politicians. In some ways, what separates Scott Morrison is that for a brief period, at least, he was much more skilled at this than his contemporaries. And that is what helped him rise through the ranks. And it's what helped him uh, become prime minister and then hang on to the prime ministership. I wanted to ask you about that because Scott Morrison became Prime Minister in 2019 and it's been an eventful time for anyone to be Prime Minister. There's been a pandemic, there's been allegations of sexual assault in Canberra. The climate has become a more important issue than ever before. So to what extent do you think that the character that Scott Morrison has created is still the character that three years later people want to lead? I think... One of the things about the way that Scott Morrison has approached politics is is as a game, uh, as a set of techniques in a way, a set of tactics that can be deployed. And and the ScoMo character and the way the ScoMo character responds to certain situations is a part of that game. But I think what has happened in those periods of crisis uh, or those periods of national discussion around real consequences. It happened during the bushfires. It happened during the national discussion about sexual violence. And it happened again when uh, vaccines were a massive problem. Uh, There has been this sense suddenly of people waking up from slumber and realising that politics isn't a game, that politics has consequences, because in each of those cases, we, we were talking about physical harm. And I think when physical harm comes into play, it becomes almost impossible to maintain the pretense that politics is a game. Uh, And so I think that has been telling about Scott Morrison. And, um, you know, I think that is a question that that certainly some Australians will be asking themselves going into the next election. Are we going into another period of uh, stability and and slumber, if you like, or are we going into a period of continuing crises, uh, in which case do they want Scott Morrison's particular approach to crises? Mm -hmm. That's the big question that's looming for him, I suppose. And, Sean, his success so far has been significant and he's still the preferred Prime Minister now. So what does that success tell us about our national identity and do you think that it's likely to bear out at the next election? Well, I I think it says a, a few things. Firstly, it says that we are more comfortable with the idea of politics as a game and politics as performance than perhaps we'd like to admit to ourselves. I think it tells us that Australians uh, respond very well uh, overall to the message that Australia is great, that everything is fine and everything will remain fine. I think people are very uh, vulnerable to that incredibly soothing message. Even some people who who might intellectually like to contest the idea are still uh, vulnerable to it at an emotional level. Uh, 
I, I think those are the, the, the main factors. And I think both of those factors together could well mean that Scott Morrison is triumphant again in 2022. Mm. Sean, thank you so much for talking to me about all of this. It's been fascinating. Thanks so much for having me on. You can read more of Sean Kelly's thoughts on the Prime Minister in his new biography, The Game, a portrait of Scott Morrison. Andrew O'Hagan's latest, Caledonian Road, explores one man's epic fall from grace. I'm Michael Williams, and on this week's Read This, I sit down with Andrew to discuss this and the state of modern Britain. All that and more, wherever you listen. Also in the news today, the COP26 International Climate Summit in Glasgow came to an end over the weekend, failing to reach an agreement to phase out coal use. A last-minute intervention by India saw the language watered down to phasing down instead of phasing out the use of coal. And thousands of protesters descended on Melbourne's central business district on Saturday to protest the Victorian government's vaccine mandates and propose new pandemic laws. The proposed laws will empower the Premier and Health Minister of the day to declare pandemics and enforce health directions instead of the state's chief health officer. There have been weeks of protests about the proposed laws. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.